Hello, everyone. Welcome to Smoke the Podcast. Yes, Smoke the Podcast. My name is Theodore. My name is Ryan. Um, let's start off by uh, introducing the show, Smoke the Podcast. What is this about? Um, we are gun enthusiasts, cigar enthusiasts, um, some whiskey, bourbon enthusiasts, and barbecue enthusiasts. Don't forget hunting enthusiasts. Yes, we're definitely hunting enthusiasts. I think that goes with the, uh, the gun part. True. Um, but uh, that's what this show is about. It's about all of those things. Um, we might focus on some subjects a little bit more. We'll probably focus on the guns a little bit more than uh, the other stuff, but um, most of the time while we're podcasting, we will be enjoying a cigar. We will be probably enjoying some bourbon, uh, maybe some scotch, um, and hopefully uh, we can go out and catch some game and we'll have some good barbecue uh, uh, for some of the shows. Uh, maybe we'll have some guests um, in, in any of those categories. So um, let's uh, introduce ourselves. Ryan, go ahead. Yeah, so I um, have spent my entire life uh, as an outdoorsman. Um, I'm really big into hunting, um, fishing, firearm uh, sports, Anything to do essentially with being in the outdoors, hiking, backpacking, all of that type of stuff as well. Um, I think of all the people that we would ever have on this show, I would have to argue that I'm probably the biggest cigar aficionado of everyone. Um, I'm also a, a big fan of, of whiskey, um, and and I, I do like to eat uh, <laughs> barbecue. <coughs> I don't barbecue as well as, as Theodore does, but... Uh, I definitely love to, to eat barbecue, so so that's a big one there as well. So um, that's just a little bit about me, um, Theodore. Oh, I'm Theodore. I'm uh, not quite as outdoorsy, but I do like to do some outdoor things. Um, uh, just recently got into hunting, and um, I would say I haven't been a gun enthusiast my whole life. <laughs> uh, this is more of a recent venture for me. Um, so I may not be as knowledgeable, although, you know, I, I think I, I do pretty well. Well, I think, I think you, you definitely learn a lot more than I, I care to learn about certain things. So. <laughs> um, you know, I'm probably a little more obsessed with California law than uh, Ryan is. So yeah, you definitely are. <laughs> <laughs> I may know a little bit more about that subject. I'm definitely a better barbecuer. <laughs> um, I can attest to that. Um, I don't know if I'm a better... Uh, uh, I don't know if I know whiskeys better. I probably drink more than uh, whiskey than he does, although I don't drink as much. Uh, not as much as him, but, you know, I don't drink very much. Um, so I don't have a, uh, a huge, like, palate like some people have. Well, see, I think the thing is that I diversify. Um, I don't just always stick to whiskey and scotch or, you know, bourbons, things like that. I, I you know, I'll, uh, I'll drink some craft beers from here and, you know, here and then, so. Uh, yeah, very true. And as far as some of the other stuff, um, I like to smoke a cigar every once in a while. I'm just not, uh, I'm, I'm not really crazy, you know, I'm not crazy into it. Um, so again, my palate is not uh, as sophisticated as some other people's. Um, so yeah, that, that's pretty much it about me. Uh, So uh, what are we smoking today, Ryan? All right. So what I, I actually picked up something that's a little familiar for me. I'm not sure if you've had this one before, <coughs> um, <coughs> but these are Nub Connecticut's. 
Um, they're made by uh, Oliva, is the parent company. So uh, they're pretty similar to Oliva cigars. Um, these are a little bit lighter. Um, obviously, they're Connecticut, so the wrapper is going to be lighter. Even the filler is going to be a lighter. It's a nice, mild smoke. Um, the, the great thing about nubs, right, is everyone sees them and thinks, oh, they're these short little cigars. It's not going to take me very long to smoke them. But yet they have the price point of maybe like a higher-end Churchill. Uh, the great thing about these cigars is, yes, while they are on the shorter side, uh, shorter in, you know, in length, they have a huge ring gauge. In fact, the ring gauges are typically uh, 64 um, which is the equivalent of essentially an inch in diameter, which uh, gives you a full, full body, which is kind of nice because um, you don't have to spend as long smoking them. But at the same time, you know, it's not like a Corona where they're, they're burnt out in, you know, 20 minutes. These things can last as long as 45 minutes. And the other great thing about them is the way they're constructed, the ash will hold on till the very end of the cigar. I mean, you literally can turn this entire thing into ash without it, you know, falling apart. So um, I don't have you had one of these before or um i've had a nub before and i'm think i've had a nub connecticut i'm not I, I don't remember um and i do remember really enjoying it i remember it being a little shorter i think the the last one i had so so this one actually has a torpedo top to it which is the pointed top the rounded ones are a tad shorter yes um, okay, but that, i like the i like the draw on the torpedo a little better for the nubs um on on most other cigars i actually prefer a robusta uh, one thing I didn't know that you just uh, enlightened me on is they are made by Oliva, which is one of my favorite cigars. Yeah, and so that's where you get some of that intense flavor from. Even though it's a mild cigar, you still get some really, really good flavor out of it. Um, I don't know what your initial thoughts are. Obviously, the initial light, even with clean burning butane, which is you know what we're using to light them up, you still get kind of that, that ashy flavor when you first light up. But the nice thing about these versus a normal cigar is you don't have to get like a quarter of an inch into the cigar before you start hitting the flavor. Um, I started getting it probably within 16th or eighth of an inch into the burn. You start getting that really clean, clean flavor. Well, one thing I've noticed is I, uh, I don't think I did a very good job lighting mine, but it is, uh, holding a very good line. Yeah. Yeah. Um, very clean ash. It looks like. Yeah. Um, I would say, uh, I would say this is pretty good. I mean, I'm enjoying the smoke so far. Like I said, I don't have a, a very sophisticated palette like a lot of people have so um i can pretty much tell you if i like it or if i don't like it yeah yeah <laughs> you know i'm not gonna sit and pick out uh crazy flavors and things like that so here's the thing that i can tell you about it now again i i don't know that i am like a you know I, i'm definitely a connoisseur of cigars um I, i'm not the best at picking out flavors i definitely you know wouldn't be able to tell you some of those in intense nuances of you know chestnut or whatever but i can tell you that this is a really 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 smooth smoke very creamy but you also get some nice 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 clean flavor it's not peppery it doesn't bite the tongue you know it's just it's an easy smoking cigar yeah and being that i'm not a uh i, I, I would consider myself more of a cigar lightweight you know the uh connecticut's are what i tend to lean to so because they're not so uh uh full-bodied yeah <laughs> you know get that uh big head change like you do with some of the other ones right right yeah so the you know they're they're great great cigars so anyways um the best part about a cigar is obviously you compare it with a good drink so can you enlighten our audience as to what we are we are drinking tonight well we <laughs> are drinking one of um my favorite bourbons 
this is Makers 46. I will cheers to that. Now, <laughs> I am not going to give you a uh, whole lot of detail about Makers 46 because, quite frankly, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about quite as much about Makers 46 as Ryan does about nub cigars, but uh, Makers 46, for some reason, has been a bourbon that I really like. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I've had a lot of different ones and th things that I like, but Makers 46 has always been my favorite. Um I, I don't know what it is. It's just uh, super smooth, yeah, um, and a, and a lot a lot of flavor. Yeah, um, yeah. You know what surprised me? I actually did not know this until right now, and I'm looking at the bottle here. Is that it's actually 47 percent, whereas most of your whiskeys, your Jack Daniels, your Jim Beams, things like that, are typically about 40 percent even. So this is a higher alcohol content, but yet it's smoother than a glass of regular Maker's Mark or, you know, like I said, Jack Daniels, something like that. Yeah, and, and Makers, uh, Makers 46 is just, uh, it's almost your, your, like your next step up above uh, Makers Mark. Right. Um, so, the, I mean, the price point's not bad at all. I mean, yeah. Yeah, you're not paying $80 a bottle. You're paying typically around, I usually think, if I can get it for 35 that's a really good deal. This one, I, I distinctly remember we were up in Big Bear when we got this bottle. And it was thirty two ninety nine. Thirty two ninety nine, and that, yeah. that's probably why I bought it because I was like, "Whoa, that's a really good price yeah. to make forty six. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. so yeah, you're you're not going to be spending, uh, you're not even going to be spending fifty dollars or something like, like you would for, you know, a different uh, different style. You're not, it's not like a single like a bottle of single barrel uh, Jack Daniels or anything like that. Yeah, you know, so. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, but I feel like it could it could hold its weight against a fifty dollar bottle. Um, I would tell you that I would prefer it. Uh, I guess it, it, this is more of like a, like an everyday drinker for me. Okay. Not that I drink okay. every day, yeah. but because of the price point and because it's, it goes down so easy. Yeah, it's definitely um, a lot easier to... Yeah, definitely not one that I would mix where, you know, I have mixed regular Maker's Mark. Uh, right, right. You know, with some ginger ale and a little bit of bitters, but never <laughs> uh, uh, Maker's 46. Uh, right. I, this, I, the only thing I mix it with is ice cubes. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I hear you on that. That's... And I, I feel it gets a little better as the ice melts, but that's just my personal preference. A lot of people, uh, you can drink it however you want. I, I honestly could drink it neat. It's that good. So, yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about this podcast. What 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 are our plans here? What do we uh, what do we what's the show about? Well, I think I think we kind of answered that initially up front. Mm -hmm. But the whole reason why we chose smoke as the name of our podcast is obviously. Every single thing that we intend to talk about involves some sort of smoke, right? So you've got cigar smoke. You've got smoked um, or, you know, uh, charred barrels of, of, of whiskey. You've got smoked meats, um, barbecue. Um, and then you've also got gun smoke, you know. Nothing better in the world. I, I feel like this is actually the most American podcast out there. <laughs> um, that being said, I mean, that, that essentially is what our show is about. Um, I don't know if you would add to that, but... I mean, obviously, with different guests that we have on there, it, it, the topics may vary from that. But essentially, yeah. that's our core. Yeah, that's pretty much uh, the, a basic, you know. It's yeah. just, uh, it, I think it's a cool title. Yeah. And that's kind of why we named it that. Um, yeah. Because it, it it has so many different meanings right. uh, when it comes to the things that we like. Right, yeah, definitely. I, I completely agree. Um, so, let's see. You know, we, we've kind of discussed this on our own, but I'd love to get it on record, you know, what is the target demographic essentially that we're trying to reach? I know I have an idea of it, but yeah, the, the, for me, um, 
I would just like to, I think for me, it's, we're going to bring a lot of attention, uh, and I would like to, to, about, to guns. So I would like to, um, kind of bring the attention to people that are outside the gun community, uh, you know, to some of the issues that we have to deal with, um, especially in California. We are from California, so, uh, we do have to deal with a lot of laws, a lot of, a lot of things that, um, are kind of unfair in our opinion. Yes. Um, but a lot of things that uh, the general population, unless you're a gun enthusiast, doesn't know, and uh, they typically don't care about. So, um, you know, if you're sold something uh, by somebody uh, and you don't know nothing, you don't know anything about it, you tend to just take their word as, you as know, gold. Yeah. As gold. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, so for us, we just want to give our side of things, and we want to lay things out logically. Um, I personally would try to be unbiased about things. Um, you know, I like to use logic and, and reasoning in things that I believe. So, right. uh, you know, uh, that's what I'll, I'll present with a lot of facts. Well, and that's good. <laughs> I think we need that. Cause I know obviously I'm much more emotional and, and, uh, I, I think that as far as, you know, some of these things are, I'm very passionate about, you know, and they're, they're things that I, I would have to argue that I am a much bigger um, Second Amendment supporter than maybe some of the guests that we'll have on the show. Maybe even you. Um, yeah, probably. Uh, that being said, though, I think for me, there's not necessarily like a target demographic of like, you know, uh, men, ages, whatever. You yeah. know, I, I feel like this could we could relate to a lot of different people, men, women, um, even, you know, kids that are interested in getting into you know, uh, shooting sports, uh, hunting, fishing, uh, barbecuing. And, um, obviously for our, our, you know, uh, older, you know, anyone who's 21 and over tobacco and, uh, and, and, uh, alcohol, but spirits and spirits. Yes. Sorry. Alcohol is probably not the best uh, term there, but at the same time, um, you know, I don't necessarily have a target demographic, but I guess for me, it'd be the person, anyone who's just enthusiastic about any of these topics to me is who I'd, I'd want to reach. And then the other thing too, is Again, we've discussed this, you know, I don't know if I ever, even now, I don't know that I ever intend for this to, to go viral or be big or have tons of followers. But if we were to get people from out of state listening, um, I feel that I commonly see it all the time on Facebook, on social media, on a lot of different forums and, and you know, different outlets of people that aren't from California that have absolutely no idea of some of the laws that we have to deal with here. Yes. Um, and so I think that you hit the nail on the head saying, you know, essentially we want to, we want to discuss those things. Um, I feel like I'm a little more passionate. You're passionate about the laws themselves. I'm more passionate about just, I want my freedom. So, yes. um, I think that it's, it's kind of good. Cause I think that a lot of people maybe don't understand what we go through here in California and, and, and there's other States as well, like New York who has, um, very strict laws just like us as well. Yeah. Too. Illinois. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so. yeah. And, and, uh, um, I think there's a lot of people uh, that with the information, uh, w- if they had more information, um, they would kind of take our side. But a lot of people, they, they don't care enough. Right. And I'm not saying that everybody should be passionate about it, but I'm just saying that um, I think more information is out for the other side. Yeah. Uh, you know, for the gun control side. Right. Um, than there is for, for our side, you know, the people that, that want... Um, you know, a freedom, you know, we want to be able to, uh, to own what we, what we want to own and, 
and uh, things like that. Right. No, I agree. And I think that a lot of people too, it, the easier option, like you said, is if, you know, if you don't know anything about it and you have someone who claims to be an expert on it, or maybe is an expert on it and is giving you an opinion, good or bad, oftentimes people are going to say, Oh, that makes sense. Let's just go with that. I mean, in reality, let's look at it. I, you know, not that I want to get into a huge debate right now, but, but guns can be kind of frightening to people that don't know anything about them. Yes. You es- know? Especially people whose only exposure to to guns are negative yeah yeah. whether it's through movies or media or media yeah. yeah exactly so i think that this is a great way for you know people like us who have handled guns and you know who have experience using them and you know i have my own apprehensions about certain firearms and things like that as well i mean i remember as a kid being afraid to you know shoot a shotgun and things like that but now i wouldn't even think twice about handling it because i i know how to handle a firearm properly. So I think that, you know, that's something else that, that we would talk about too, is just really trying to inform people. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of it has to do with the way we were brought up. Um, you know, uh, you know, our, our grandfather, uh, well, my grandfathers were, we're, we're, we're cousins by the way, in case anyone <laughs> yeah, was wondering, or, uh, um, uh, they, they grew up with firearms. Yeah. And so, um, we were taught at a very young age to respect firearms um, not to be afraid of them, but to respect them yeah, and, uh, to not be reckless. Right. Um, and we were taught the positive things, um, that go along with it. Um, so from a very young age, you know, we weren't scared of them. It was, uh, you know, I thought of firearms as, oh yeah, you know, you go hunting, you provide food for your family. Right. Um, maybe defense, you yeah. know, you defend your property yeah. and yourself. Um, uh, things of that nature. And it wasn't like, uh, the violence wasn't the or my first exposure to firearms. I don't I I would agree with that 100% and to be honest I don't even think like uh, the big thing nowadays is emergency prep and you know um home defense and some of these big ones and yeah that's the, those are all great but I don't even think I was raised on on that type of ideal either. Um it was definitely more about providing food for your family and and just being a, a proficient um, firearm user if you're going to use them, you know, knowing how to use them and, and essentially being the best shot that you could be in order to take game as responsibly and as ethically as possible. Yeah. In our family, you know, talking about firearms was more like, uh, my dad talking, telling stories about his cousin that can shoot a, uh, um, a, a can in the air three times before it landed or a marble oh, yeah. out of the sky with a 22, yeah, you know, and, little and, things and, like that. And so being a, like a good marksman, was uh, uh, something that you wanted to be. Well, and I know Grandpa always shared with me, and I'm sure he did with you as well, is that, you know, if you, especially it, with the hunting mentality, if you intend to take game, you want to take game as, as ethically as possible. Yes. You know, no suffering, that type of thing. And so, you know, if, if you're not confident in your marksmanship abilities, if you're not confident that you're going to be able to hit an animal at a certain distance, you know, and, and actually effectively take that animal, you know, and, and harvest it for game, then you shouldn't even be taking that shot. Yes. You know, and so that, so, yeah, that was... You should a, be proficient with your firearm. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, is do we have... Uh, I think we already kind of covered uh, essentially what we're going to talk about, essentially what the show's about, but what about maybe the... Well, I guess we kind of talked about the purpose and the goals, but did you have yeah. any, like, overall purpose or, or goals that you kind of wanted to see out of this? Um, yeah, just to expose uh, ideas to different groups of people. Yeah. And... Um, Hopefully, you know, we can get um, some people that enjoy cigars to listen to the show and they'll learn something about bourbon or barbecuing or guns or whatever. Uh, I'm actually super excited to learn about <laughs> some barbecuing here because, uh, you know, not not that I'm the worst barbecuer ever. I think I can make, uh, you know, s- some pretty good carne asada, but, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know that my skills are quite on your level, so 
I'm excited to hear some of those recipes and, and kind of yeah, get some knowledge from you on that. As yeah, well, and then, so. uh, you know, maybe we can show uh, Ryan how to reverse sear a tri-tip. Oh, a yeah. Very California thing of us. Yeah, that is. That's a very Cal- – <laughs> yeah, I just like to smoke them. I think, you know, well, 4th of July is coming up in a couple of days, so I might be throwing a tri-tip uh, in the smoker, and then I, I think I'm going to, yeah, have to – have to reverse sear it we'll see I don't well know. yeah we'll see yeah i don't know um <laughs> i may botch it though <laughs> we talk about our recording setup a little bit this, by the way this is our first podcast so. yes this is the first official podcast um i'll probably title it that so that way people are like oh yeah this is like really crappy sound quality Although, right. to be honest with you, uh, the test recording that we did actually came out pretty clear. And I think with some editing, we'll be able to get it done. But um, a little bit about our recording setup right now. Um, we haven't determined a way to, to truly and accurately record um, for best sound quality and things like that. So currently, we are literally in my backyard um, in Southern California. And we are recording through an iPhone 8 Plus, um, just right through the microphone. Um, so we've got, we've got that as our recording setup. As far as editing software goes, I do have GarageBand um, on my desktop, and that, that'll probably be how I edit all the audio. Um, eventually, I'm hoping, you know, we got, we, we, we got to figure out, A, how often we can do this. Um, but we've talked about, you know, doing remote recordings through things like Discord and, and through some, you know, apps, maybe like Skype, things like that. Um, and then if, you know, obviously if we're on location with one another, then we can record this way and maybe think about even getting a small studio set up or something like that. So, and if you, um, can hear some of the outside noise, you might hear, uh, um, a dog, uh, walking around. Yeah. My, uh, beautiful Siberian <laughs> Husky. Uh, maybe uh, some kids playing in the park down the street, but I don't, I don't know if we'll pick any of that up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about the... The topic of the day, yes. No, no actually, oh. let, let's let's uh, revisit the cigar. Okay, okay, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what, the, we're through about the first third, right? Mm-hmm. I might be through a little more than the first third. Uh, what, what are your thoughts? You know, to be honest with you, I absolutely love these. These are a go-to for me, so this isn't, like I said, like a new smoke for me. Um, but this is one that, that I, I don't always get, just A, because they are... A, a little awkward delight just because that ring gauge is so big um at the same time they're so rewarding i mean it's super super smooth again you're just getting like a very smooth creamy smoke the draw on this thing is absolutely perfect it might also be where i cut it at because typically typically i cut a little larger of a draw but um i kept i kept the tip on this one a little tighter so i'm not pulling out as much smoke which i think is keeping the cigar cool and keeping a you know a calmer uh, flavor if that's a if that's a thing. Well, I mean, I definitely agree. I think the draw is perfect on this one. Uh, again, it could be because of the cut. Uh, the one thing I'm super impressed about is just the burn. I mean, this this thing's burning perfect. Yeah. Considering how poorly I think. Uh, oh yeah, that I thing did is lighting like this thing. fairly razor sharp. You got a couple little bad edges there, but I mean, yeah, that, that's like not even much to you know complain about. Ash is super nice, holding on. I mean, perfect. I bet you you could probably even stomp that thing out and it wouldn't come off. Yeah, that, that it's uh, it's on there pretty good right yeah, now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I mean, we've smoked some cigars together uh, in the past, and Ryan tends to smoke a lot faster than I do. Um, you know, I like to uh, uh, get a nice, cool draw, so I don't. I tend not to draw mine uh, quite as take quite as big a draw and I tend not to draw mine quite as quickly so I don't uh, right. 
you know, maybe take like one or two draws a minute or something like that. I don't know if you noticed, though. I've been setting this thing down because I notice if I have it in my hand, then <laughs> I, I tend to want to draw more. I mean, it's it's delicious. Um, but I've been setting this thing down because I do want to enjoy it rather than, you know, just smoke right through it. Um, at the same time, too, um, you know, I, I do smoke uh, faster than you do. Um, and I do – I think – I've gotten to the point now where I can I can kind of pull a, a very cool draw, um, you know. Whereas before, sometimes I think I I didn't really quite know the the speed at which I was uh, you know puffing at and stuff. So um, I think that that this is you know I'm, I'm definitely getting a little better at how I smoke cigars. But you also have to remember too I smoke cigars pretty often. So yeah, me, and this the, is uh... <laughs> you know for me to smoke through them, it, it's doesn't take that long the, lis- the listeners will probably uh, realize we're not experts at any of this stuff no we really aren't i mean i would consider myself a uh, enthusiast maybe maybe like on the the lower end of an aficionado um i feel like i've tried a lot but i i wouldn't be able to tell you you know oh that's definitely blah 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 i can tell you what i've read about them you know just what i know about them so so all right let's get into uh our gun topic for today okay yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm excited uh, about this one. I got to be honest with you. We are going to talk about home defense. Um, of, of all types. Yeah, home defense uh, with firearms, for the most part. Um, so let me ask you, Ryan, what is your go-to home defense firearm? So I have, I actually have two right now. Oh, sorry, I have three. Um, I have three home defense firearms, and I might be adding a fourth now. The reason why you might ask, why do you have so many? Well, you've seen our master bedroom. It's pretty big. Um, yes, it is. Yeah. So my, um, my go-tos are a, uh, a Mossberg with a home defense barrel on it. Um, unlike your Mossberg, sorry, that's the puppy. Um, unlike your Mossberg, uh, it is not outfitted with any fancy stocks or, you know, foregrip or, you know, any crazy sights. It's just your standard Mossberg 500, um, normal, you know, synthetic stock, synthetic foregrip. Um, and currently I have five rounds of, uh, double lot buckshot in there. Um, and that, that's what I have for, um, I would consider that my true 100% home defense, uh, gun. That being said, I also have a 1911 um, that I use for home defense as well. And that I carry, uh, so I carry seven plus one, so one in the chamber on that, and I carry the Hornady Critical Defense 45 rounds, and those are hollow point, um, you know, just really, really great. They're specifically built for home defense, so. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the third gun that I have is um, kept in another area of my home, not in the bedroom, Um, and I I don't want to disclose that, but I have a two-story home and it's big, so there's a lot of area to cover. Um, a so, lot of wide, a lot of open area. Yeah, yeah. It's very. Uh, my home is very open concept. So my worry would be that if you know, I might be in an area of the home that is not the bedroom. Um, so I want to be able to access a firearm quickly. And so for that, I carry a subcompact nine millimeter uh, Springfield XD. So it's the Springfield XD nine, um, three inch barrel. It's it's short. It's small. It's a great little concealed carry gun. Um, and again, nine millimeter. And in that, I also carry uh, Hornady critical defense ammo. I had USMC in there, which was this crazy little round, but, um, <laughs> I know that I, you know, I know that I, I'm sure it's reliable and I put a few rounds through it and it, it, it works and cycles just fine. But I know Hornady critical defense is just, it's so well known. Um, I, I want to trust my life to something that, you know, I, I have no problems, uh, shooting so that again, I keep, uh, in another area of the home for home defense. 
And the fourth gun that I would like to add, <laughs> and Teddy's laughing because he already knows what I'm talking about, is uh, my Winchester Model 94 level a- lever action in a 44 Magnum. So I, uh, you know, I love that gun. It's super short. Um, I'm sure I can clear some corners in the house, and you know, it's not going to put a giant hole through my wall like a 223 might, or you know, uh, you know, something bigger than that. Uh, well, what would you? Uh, what type of ammo would you run in that thing? In the 44 Magnum, probably. Uh, you know, to be honest with you, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, you know, try and guess. Um, I really haven't done that much research on the 44 ammo. Um, for right now, I'd probably just use a FMJ, just a standard okay. FMJ. Um, you know, maybe uh, probably just the same thing. If I can find a Hornady, that would work as well. I just, I love their critical defense series. So, yeah, well, yeah, you know, would you be concerned, especially with a 44 Magnum coming out of a. Uh, 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 such a such a long barrel uh, about over penetration that and see that's the that's my hesitation with with adding it to the to the list because i'm i'm not sure that you know i don't know if it's one of those guns that would shoot the you know the bad guy in my next door neighbor's house behind <laughs> you know the refrigerator or something like that you know punch through like 10 walls um i, I i'm not gonna uh, you know tell you that i know the ballistics of it i really haven't done that much research um, at the same time, though, 44 Magnums can also fire a 44 Special, which is a lot, you know, a lot um, less, uh, I guess, volatile of a round. Um, so it might not punch through as much, but it might be just enough to take somebody down, you know. Sure. Um, that the, So that's essentially my setup um, right now. And, you know, it's going to – I'm going to modify it. But at the same time, though, too, you also have to consider the, the home that you're in. Like I said, mine's super open concept. I have a lot of long hallways, big open spaces. Um, so I want something that's definitely going to reach down the end of the, the hallway with no issues. Um, but I also want something I'm going to be accurate with. The 1911, the Springfield, um, which is a Springfield, and then the XD, which is the 9mm. I know I'm accurate anywhere in the house. And the longest shot in my house, I can make it with either of those two handguns. Um, the that's buck very shot, important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the buckshot, um, I think, is just one of those ones. It's a hallway clearer. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, yeah, for me... Um, I might catch a little grief uh, <laughs> because uh, currently my setup is one pistol, and it is a Springfield TRP 1911. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, and I have... Uh, the safe queen. <laughs> it's definitely not a safe queen. Um, it's definitely been fired. Um, it's a beautiful gun. Um, I mean, I know if you're a 1911 traditionalist uh, like Ryan is here, uh, right? I... I rock, in, in the, I rock the mill spec. In Ryan's defense, he he's uh, definitely loves military uh, guns. I do. I do. Yeah. Um, so I, I can see uh, how he can be a traditionalist uh, when it comes to that. But I also have the critical critical duty, uh, crit, the Hornady. Oh yeah, is it defense. critical duty? I thought critical it was critical. Duty, critical defense. I don't it, whatever it is, it's the critical duty yes. defense. Critical D essentially. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's. it's uh, I, I actually have the same ammo that he has. Uh, uh, in mine, um, the other thing that uh, I, I carry mine, I, I keep mine in a, in a safe, uh, a, just a, a one uh, handgun safe. Right. Um, Is it uh, finger activated? Fing- yeah, it it's a, comes with a finger code, not okay. not the fingerprint. Right, but, right, right. Uh, you yeah, have to put yeah, the code yeah, in. Yeah. Um, and I also carry uh, a light um, because I do live with other people, um, and there are children in my house, um, so it's very important for me to keep it locked up. Um, that that pistol will never be unlocked um, with ammo around it. 
Right. You know, unless I'm cleaning it or whatever, and then of course the ammo is going to be somewhere else. Right. Um, of the ammo will probably be in the safe. Right. Um, but so I carry a Surefire uh, E2D LED okay. Defender. Okay. Um, that's what I have. Uh, you know, next to the safe, um, so that you know you have to see. Uh, but you know, I, I don't have quite as big of a house. Um, so the way the way the houses that I live in, I mean, you're you're pretty much just a straight shot that's it there's Down not the there, yeah there's yeah. not very much clearing that you can do um you know unless you have to clear a bedroom or right. or something like that right um so yeah the, um i also have a a mossberg 500 <laughs> uh, and, and i have all the uh, magpul furniture on that yep um i'm waiting for two things before that goes into the house uh one i need to be able to lock it yeah um so I've been kind of going back and forth on uh, like an underbed safe, um, right. or uh, I'm kind of liking um, uh, the ones that you hang on the wall. Um, I, I wish I knew the exact model. Um, I could look it up, but uh, essentially it just locks the trigger. Right. Um, you know your your whole pretty much your trigger action everything, um, where the barrel and the stock will stick out of the of the safe, but you still have to enter combination to get it out. Right. Um, yeah, and then I do have the side uh, saddle with that holds five extra shells <laughs> on it. Uh, it's uh, SOE. Yeah. Uh, original SOE gear. Yeah. yeah. Uh, shotgun card. Um, so with that setup, uh, if I if I mount it on the wall that way, I would have to actually take that shotgun card and place it on the outside. But since it's Velcro, I've seen people do a setup where they they put the Velcro on the outside of that thing. Um, they stick the shotgun card on there. Then they have the Velcro on their uh, on their shotgun, and then it's just a matter of taking the the, uh, the shotgun out of the uh, uh, out of the lock, right. and then slapping the the shotgun card on the side. So let me ask you. But this. It, it is an extra step. I don't know if uh, how people feel about that. Right, right. So let me ask you this though: with with that that card, I mean, or sorry, not the card, but with the lock, right? Mm-hmm. With the 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 wall mounted safe. Yes. Can you have that shotgun loaded? Yes. M- uh, one in the chamber or no just yes. in the okay so you can have one in the chamber ready to go yes okay so here's an interesting thing about me so let's talk let's talk chambered round or not okay for home defense so here's here's my thing the shotgun um, uh, just so you guys know too I, I don't have any children in the home um, maybe eventually but um, as of right now no, no children in the home it's just my wife and I she is extremely proficient with firearms as well um, I've taught her how to, you know, load fire, um, safeties, you know, everything for each and every gun, not just in general. Um, so she knows how to, to use every single firearm that, that we have in the home. Um, that being said, you know, on, on my Mossberg, I don't keep one in the chamber. The reason for that is, and I don't know if this is a myth or not. Um, I have my degree in criminal justice. We had a professor that said, um, that, you know, they, they ask home invaders, you know, like, what's the worst thing that you encounter when you're, you know, after these guys have been arrested, whatever, what's the, one of the worst things that you could encounter inside a house, you know, when, once you break in, um, and a lot of these guys commonly said, Hey dogs. So I have a German shepherd and I have a Siberian Husky and both of which are, you know, would attack anyone that would come into the home unwelcomed. Um, so dog, hey, that's a big one. And I, I would actually argue that's a home defense technique as well. Oh, definitely. Cause e- even if they they can't subdue a perpetrator they can at least let you know that somebody's there let you know someone's there and again if they can't subdue them they might be able to delay them or keep them at bay for a while um i don't keep around in the shotgun uh chambered 
I keep the magazine tube full. Yes. The reason being is one of the other claims, and again, I don't know if this is accurate or not. I don't know if this is, you know, real or not. Um, but a lot of these guys claim that one of the scariest sounds after breaking into a home is hearing the rack of a shotgun racking in that first round, mm-hmm. that that's like a huge deterrent, especially if they're, you know, a lot of these guys might not be armed. A lot of these guys just want to get in, make a quick buck, maybe find, um, you know, some expensive jewelry or maybe even a firearm to steal. Um, they might not be armed with anything or, you know, maybe with a knife, a club, something like that. Um, now all of a sudden you have a guy who's upstairs and you hear, you know, and that strikes fear in the heart of anyone. I mean, it strikes fear in the heart of me, uh, you know, if I were to enter a home and hear that sound. Um, I agree. I agree. It would strike fear in the heart of me. Yeah. Um, but I am not a criminal. Right. <laughs> and um, my only thought uh, when it comes to that is, uh, is it possible that someone could not be scared of that? Is it possible oh, absolutely. that someone... Um, could not be scared to die and and to me if, if you're going to do a hot burglary or a burglary where somebody's in the home yes um you know i i i think they kind of have a death wish right especially in the united states of america where <laughs> uh, a lot of homes uh do have it? firearms we make it. up four percent of the population but yet have like more guns than i think any country in the world i yes, would say and, private, and, private gun ownership and uh you know i have heard a statistic and i don't know how true it is um, but I think it's something like 13% of burglaries in the United States are hot burglaries where people are in the home, which is very low compared to some of the European uh, right. countries where it's like almost 50%. Yeah. Um, don't quote me on that because uh, I don't have the statistic up in front of me. Right. Um, but that does make sense. Um, y- you don't want to – even if somebody doesn't want to die, they're not going to try to, to rob somebody. Right. Um, in their own home where they don't know the the layout of the home. They don't know what the homeowner has. Right. Uh, but I do feel that somebody that is willing to go into your home uh, may not be so scared of that sound. Uh, th- that's just my opinion. Um, I know there's statistics probably say otherwise. No, I, I, I agree with you on that, which yeah. is why, which leads me to my second point. The 1911, though, like I said, I carry that seven plus one. Okay. So there's always a round in the chamber on that one. There's the other argument that, too, you hack the shotgun now, everyone knows exactly where you're at in the home, right? Mm-hmm. That might not be the case. My home's big. You, you can make a sound in the house, and you might not know where it's at just because of the echoes in the home and the acoustics and things like that. But I also get that, too. Maintaining that operational security or, or silence of, you know, hey, we don't want anyone to know where we're at. Great. Cool. Again, why I carry that 1911 ready to go and that thing's, uh, you know, locked and loaded, ready to go. So that is essentially my fail safe and that's in the nightstand next to me. So, I mean, that's probably going to be the first thing I reach for at the same time, you know, having the shotgun, maybe two, three steps away from the bed is a lot easier than to then follow up with something like that as well. Um, you know, granted, I've heard all kinds of arguments about guys, you know, having like actual like chest rigs and harnesses and holsters ready to go by the bed. And people will say, hey, if someone's breaking into your home, you might not have time to holster up. You might not have time to do this or do that just in case. And it would never be my go to. But just in case I do keep a holster um, by the 1911 with a yeah. belt. So if I have to wear that, I can wear that while also carrying the shotgun. Yeah, it's, um, I guess every every case is individual. Right. Um, if you always... I guess you have to be prepared for any situation. So if somebody's going to come in and and catch you off guard, 
um, you want to be able to fire as quickly as possible. So right. in your case, you would have your 1911 ready. Um, but sometimes you just might hear a noise. Right. And when you hear that noise or your dog barking or something that tips you off that somebody's uh, could possibly be in your home, then you might feel more comfortable just going for the shotgun, racking right. it, and then clearing your house. Exactly. Um, yeah. So, I, you know, I think sometimes when people make make arguments, they make arguments based on worst case scenarios. Right. Um, where th- that's kind of why I wanted to have a shotgun handy also. Um, it, it, just to have an option, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't have to. I, I would feel more comfortable uh, with a shotgun um, personally. Yeah. Um, just because I feel like I shoot them better. I feel like they're, you know, with buckshot, it's just it's it's a much more, um, you know, effective. I, it, yeah, it's much yeah. more effective. Yeah. In my opinion, um, I mean the 1911 is effective, um, effective also, but I I feel like you have to be a lot more accurate with it, even though I do shoot a TRP. Yeah. And, you know. Oh, it, they it, shoot it is, themselves, I'm sure. Yeah, huh? it's, it's a Cadill- the Cadillac of uh, of 1911s for yeah. sure. Yeah. No, I, I I'm not. I don't I argue with you there. Um, well, let's talk about uh, accessories. So, um, you know, I told you that uh, I have a flashlight, and it's because you know there's kids in my house, and um, you know you hear a noise, and it might you know you got you got to be able to see. Yeah. Uh, you got to be able to see everything. So. Um, Oh, go ahead. So that's one of the other reasons why I don't have uh, that. My shotgun is not uh, is not is not on duty yet. Yeah. Uh, because I would like to put a light on it. Right. Um, right. So I, I do have a the the Magpul foregrip, which has uh, the M lock. Um, so I'm still just debating on on how I want to set the light up. I would like uh, maybe to get like um like the Surefire Scout setup, uh, where you know you have the the pressure trigger to turn the light on. Uh, on and off momentarily or permanent or right, uh, right. yeah um, I, I would like that setup to, you know problem is surefire it's a little pricey yeah <laughs> uh, trust me I know <laughs> um, yeah and then the safe that's that's my other thing um, I do have a glow in the dark uh, excess big dot on right. the shotgun right now right um, which is is really nice um, uh, I've shot it with it a couple times and it it just you could put you could put that thing on target so quickly. Yeah. Um, uh, but what about you? How do you feel about uh, other accessories? Do you do you put the lights, lasers, or? So currently, obviously, with the mil spec, it's a GI issue. There, you're not putting anything on that. I mean, that's that's as, as GI as basic as it gets. And the reason why I, you know, again, we've talked about this. I'm a military gun guy. You know, I've got uh, Mosins, I've got, you know, Car 98, Lee Enfield. So I'm, I'm all about old school military guns. And so that's why when I chose my 1911, I wanted something as, as standard as possible. World War II, Vietnam era. You know, granted, it's got all the new Springfield technology in it, but essentially it's the same thing. So I can't put anything on that. That being said, I have flashlights all throughout the house. Okay. Again, my house is huge. Um, sometimes I carry a flashlight with me. Um, but in any room, there's a flashlight or there's a lantern of some kind, those little electric ones that you can get on Amazon, and um, I can rock any of those. But in the bedroom, yeah, I carry flashlights as well. Um, I've got everything from LED mag lights to uh, O-lights. I, I currently actually don't have any surefires, and my hesitation on those for a long time were the batteries. Um, at oh, the, same, the uh, They the, use uh, that. What the CR-123s? Exactly. So, um, so yeah, those, those batteries to me... Um, were kind of my big hesitation on that. And I know that the longevity of the light isn't all that great. Um, I don't know, 
Um, I'm thinking now the, the more I get into it, I'm definitely going to need to upgrade to some surefires throughout the house. Um, as far as my shotgun setup, um, I would love to put some tactical gear on it, but currently it's my hunting shotgun as well. Cause I oh, have that okay. long barrel that I switch out with it, you know, when we go dove and, and chucker and uh-huh. quail hunting and things like that. Um, so adding that to it then just adds more steps for me to have to take off all the gear before we go out and go hunting. Um, that's hopefully going to change here pretty soon. I intend to get a designated just hunting shotgun and use the Mossberg solely for home defense and get some new furniture for it as well. So, um, I don't think that they're a bad thing. What I would love to do though, is get a laser for the, um, the XD, the subcompact, mm-hmm. um, the only downside with that then is if I choose to conceal carry, then I have that extra, in, you know, encumbrance on it, and I don't know that I necessarily would need that in a conceal carry situation. Sure, but yeah, I mean, you could just take it off. Or... Uh, yeah, no, of course, yeah. and that that's no problem as well. I mean, it's not it's not a big thing. It's just something right now that I'm like, eh. So, in the event that uh, this does get outside of California, I know a lot of people. Um, may think we're crazy (laughs) (laughs) probably uh because you know the 1911 or you know carrying a subcompact but in the state of california you do have a 10 uh, 10 round magazine exactly yeah um so to carry a full-sized like say glock 19 you're 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 almost not getting the full effect of it because you cannot carry a full uh, a regular magazine with it right you know you're only carrying uh 10 rounds uh regardless of the gun um, not all 1911s, you can get a 10 round extension, yeah. uh, which I've thought about getting. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that, that's, that's kind of the same, no matter where you go, you know, tr- uh, uh, 1911s carry seven rounds. They come with seven round magazines for the most part. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we tend to stick to that and it's, it, uh, the subcompact is the same thing. You know, that a lot of them carry eight, 10 rounds, um, and so we can kind of get the normal magazines here in California. Right. Rather than these like super expensive California compliant yeah. magazines, um, which leads me to the kind of the next point that, that we kind of glazed over just because neither of us use this for home defense, but an AR platform. Now I know a lot of guys swear by the AR platform for home defense. I've, you know, I've heard multiple people on YouTube, a lot of guys on Facebook saying, Oh, AR is all I use, man. It's so versatile. I can mm-hmm. do everything with it, especially the shorter ARs. I mean, essentially it's what an AR pistol, which you can't even have here. Yeah. We can't like have those in California, eight, which 10 inch barrel or something yeah. like that, which I think actually might be a really good gun for home defense. Although my worry, and I don't have enough experience with the two, two, three to, to really know, but my worry would be, what is the penetration like on that two two three round inside a house with just you know drywall and wood studs? Uh, now I've heard um, a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've heard people joke about how you know it'll uh, a two two three is is enough to shoot uh, a guy hiding behind your refrigerator in your neighbor's house. Yeah, yeah. I've just heard like that forty four. Just like the forty four. I've heard that. <laughs> I've also heard that because of the velocity of the two two three, that they will break up immediately when they hit a wall. See, and that, that, yeah, and that's um, my wonder. If... In my, uh, in my opinion, I, I think it would probably be based on the ammo you use. Yeah. You could probably use a lower velocity round. Yeah. For home defense. So it, you don't get as much penetration. And I mean, and you don't need that insane accuracy that you would like maybe out in, in a desert or, you know, in an open area where you'd want a, a 300 yard shot to be perfectly on target. You know what I mean? Yeah. My re- reservations about the, uh, AR, um, it's just that I live in California. Yeah. Um, so you'd have to have a California compliant AR, especially if you're going to use it for home defense, because if you're going to use it for home defense, there is going to be, be police involved. 
Oh, well, there, the, any gun will be. Yeah, and yeah. that's what I'm saying. Um, you know, if you have, uh, you know, if, if you're going to be one of those, I'm not going to comply guys, um, which is fine. <laughs> um, you know, me personally, I just, I, I, it's not worth me getting in trouble with the law for. Well, and then you lose all your other firearms yeah. because of it. So. Um, but, uh, yeah, if you are going to use it in a home defense situation, there's going to be police involved. They're going to come. If your gun is not 100% compliant, then now you're uh, in trouble. Well, let's say even if it is, right? So uh-huh. the two options now in California are fixed magazine or you have the feature list, okay? So with your fixed magazine, again, your magazine is limited to 10 rounds. Yes. That's all you can have in there. And then that's... Uh, and that's it. Then you're not going to be able to reload fast enough in a... Uh, in a situation, in a home defense situation. I, I, you know, I, I think guys that might train with it might be able to, yeah. but I don't train enough with it. I, I, I haven't trained at all, actually, I should say, um, with a feature – or not featureless, sorry, but with a uh, fixed magazine. Um, I know they have all those neat systems now where you can essentially it's, – it's, it's almost similar to having a bullet button – or not a bullet button, but a mag release yeah. where you can hit it. It pops the upper. The mag drops out. You throw in a new mag, slap the upper back down, and you know that, that seems like it might work, but – in my opinion, yeah, you're right. It it just doesn't seem all that efficient. Yeah, I mean, and for me, all my my uh, ARs, not that I have a ton of them, but they're uh, uh, I went the featureless route. And when um, I build mine, that's that's how mine's going to be as well. Yeah, it's just it's not uh, to me. To me, it's not worth it having well, the fixed magazine. Um, it's just not my uh, not what I like. And maybe you could enlighten me on this just because i again i don't have any featureless I've, I've shot some featureless ars um but you have to have that fixed stock you have to have either the fin on the uh pistol grip well it's not a pistol grip it's a yes that that's you know that's yeah. a, uh, essentially what they're trying to eliminate so um, it because it might as you might as well just have a like a mini 14 or something like that because yeah, mini 14 is is actually pretty awesome right uh, i feel like that would be a better option for uh, defense here which, in california which does make me laugh about how uh ridiculous the laws are where and and hopefully this doesn't uh, uh, cause a, a ban on the Mini 14, you know, um, <laughs> or the uh, M1A, or the M1A, yeah, yeah. because they're these uh, rifles are technically featureless. Uh, they are featureless. Um, you know, California for some reason uh, thinks that there are three evil features of a rifle, and that's a collapsible stock, a pistol grip, yeah, and a flash hider yes you know your standard like birdcage flash hider yeah yeah yeah. um so (laughs) um yeah which i don't i don't understand i mean uh so what now you have to rock a compensator yes which essentially makes you more accurate makes you more effective yeah yeah it makes you more i was gonna put a compensator on mine anyway (laughs) and depending on the type of featureless pistol grip and stock you or fixed stock you go with i would say that you might even be more accurate than a you know a collapsible stock and a pistol grip I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, possible. You know, that that's just that would be my thought with it. Um, but yeah. they're bulky because you have to have it at least sixteen and a half inches, right, or sixteen inches plus the compensator. Yes, the barrel has to be sixteen. Yeah, uh, and yeah. I think that's. But the standard is I typically like sixteen and a sure. half. Yeah, it should it should work. Basically, yeah. anything over sixteen for the barrel, because you're going to add a compensator yes. to it. We'll qualify it. Yeah, or any muzzle break um, that's not a flash. But I mean at that rate, that gun is as long as a shotgun, a home defense shotgun. And so then at that point as well, now you're looking at it. You might as well just use a shotgun in my opinion. Yes. Um, I mean, yeah, that's that's definitely up to the individual. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I just think in in California, um, they've 
demonize the AR to the point where it's almost uh, impossible to use it for uh, home defense. What's sad, though, is like my 270, right? My Remington. Uh-huh. It's a Remington 700. The 270 has a, um, what is it, a four-round. Um, it carries four rounds in it. It's bolt action. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, that 270, they have those soft core tips on them for deer hunting and things like that. Um, that would do way more damage to somebody, but yet that's that's legal. Yeah, it's you know? a, and I hope it stays legal. <laughs> <laughs> Me as well, because, I mean, if not, we're not doing any deer hunting anytime soon. Yeah, and personally, the... Uh, the AR for me too. I, I just live in too small of a house. Yeah, yeah, it, um, yeah. It, it just doesn't seem effective. I, I think uh, where California is really doing a disservice to their citizens is uh, folks that live um, on bigger properties, like rural areas. Rural areas, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Where yeah. you know um, it, it could take you know police thirty minutes just to get to the house. Um, I mean, even even in in well populated areas, you're talking. Uh, 10 minutes or whatever. I mean, yeah. that, that I mean, even at the closest, maybe, difference. you know, four or five minutes, if you say shots fired, you know, um, or uh, assuming, let's just say that there's a police officer down the street, right? He's still got to drive up, get out of his squad car, make entrance to the home. And obviously he's not going to be moving as quickly. He's got to be tactical as well. Yeah. So chances are that that guy's going to clear the stairwell or clear a hallway or whatever before they're even anywhere around, you know? Plus, it takes time to dial the phone. You're freaking out. Your hands are shaking. Mm-hmm. You know now you got to type in nine one one. Get a dispatcher. Relay calmly the information as to where you're at. What's happening? I, it just doesn't seem effective to me as a as a means of of, of home defense. Yes, and and um, that police officer is going to come with a firearm to protect you. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, which. I find a little ironic, I think. Well, and at the same time, too, you also have to understand as soon as you call the police officer, um, you know, let's say you are defending yourself. He doesn't know who you are and yes. who the, the, you know, the person who's infiltrating your home is. You know what I mean? Yes. And, um, you know, you will hear the counter argument where, well, the police are trained. Um, but in my opinion, if you're going to have firearms in the home, you should be trained. Well, it, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and not just... Um, well, and California does ensure that you have to have a firearm safety permit in order yes. to even purchase a gun in California. Long gun, short, you know, handgun, it doesn't matter. You have to have that. Yes. And um, I, I think um, people should go a step further and, and, you know, take classes and... Absolutely. And really learn how to uh, handle the, every firearm that they use, not just... Uh, you know, generic firearm training. Right. At the at the very least, get down to the range and put rounds through yes. your gun. Be familiar with it. Know how it works. Uh, know how to, to handle all misfires, jams, Especially failures. guns that require a, um, a break-in period, such as right. 1911s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think mine's pretty much broken in now, though, so. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I mean, yours um, doesn't have as tight of tolerances oh, okay. as okay. mine, so, okay. you know, it's, it's a pretty important <clears throat> to... Uh... All right, next subject. <laughs> what do you think about... Uh, non, I shouldn't say non-lethal because these could be lethal. <laughs> they um, could be very lethal. <laughs> uh, but what do you think about other means of, of home defense besides uh, firearms? firearms? Uh, like bats, clubs, uh, yeah. knives, swords, things like that. What about a taser even? Yeah, you could throw that into the mix, I guess. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think anything that you have is pretty good. Is better than fists, uh, you know, or, yeah. or the phone, in my opinion. Um, so me personally, um, having a bat, a club, uh, you know, if you got a a sword or a a knife of some sort, uh, you know, that that's always your backup. I mean, think about it. Every cop that goes out on the street, I mean, yeah, they're carrying their, their, 
their duty weapon, right? Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, would be considered a sidearm maybe in the military, you know, a handgun, right? They all have either a shotgun or an AR or even both in their squad car. And then most of the time these guys are rocking either a 380 or a 38 special in their boot or somewhere. Some of them even carry subcompact nine millimeters in their vest. So they're not just going out there with one gun thinking like, hey man, I got one gun, three magazines, four magazines, and I'm going to take on the whole world. No, these guys are armed to the teeth. Um, and I think that as citizens, we should be the same way. Most of them are going to carry a big folding knife. Um, I even know of some police officers that carry like a sheath knife or something like that as well, just as a last ditch effort. Now for the people that are listening to this, that, you know, might be listening to it for the cigar notes, for the whiskey notes, for the, you know, barbecue, uh, fishing, hunting, that, that sort of thing, you know, they might not be as familiar with firearms in the home for home Mm -hmm. defense, you know? And so if they don't feel comfortable with that, but yet still want to defend their home, obviously one of the biggest things is is just have something that you can use to defend yourself, you know, whether that, again, be a knife. I carry um, a a Bowie knife uh, as well. It's sitting right on the side of my bed. So, I mean, if worse comes to worse and, you know, that's all I have, that's all I have, you know, I'm not going to go out without a fight. You know, I'm not just going to lay there and submit, you know what I mean? Um, and I think that's the biggest thing is making sure that you have some sort of defense. I mean, I've seen people who have golf clubs in their bedroom, who have, you know, baseball bats, Louisville Slugger, old school, you know. Um. You know, my biggest uh, uh, my biggest problem with things like that is that they are so close range. Oh, yeah. Um, and um, your regular population... Um, are just not trained in hand-to-hand combat. No, of course not. Um, so you're you're going to uh, try to defend yourself um, at a very close range against somebody that, uh, let's face it, could probably most likely be on drugs, according statistically. Right, statistically. Um, yeah. And you know they they might be able to take some uh, some force. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and you know. I've heard stories, and I don't know how true they are, but even people getting shot that just... Keep coming. Keep coming. Yeah. And I, I, I'm sure that it happens with knives. Yeah. I'm sure that it happens Absolutely. with bats. I mean, there are definitely... Uh, you know, if you land a, a good shot with a bat, I mean, it, there, there, there are things that you can't do. The human body will shut down. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, but... To get to that point might yes, be complicated. To get to that point might be complicated, and they're going to be very close to you. Right. Um, so you're going to, regardless, in my opinion, regardless, no matter what, I mean, you might even be trained and, and I mean, even a boxer or a MMA fighter will tell you, you still got to take a couple of hits before you can land a knockout mm-hmm. punch. I mean, you've seen some of these guys that are undefeated that just dance around the ring and knock people out left and right. They're not going in there, not getting hit. I mean, they're getting hit. You know what I mean? So how much more would a civilian who's never had any training whatsoever, you know, trying to take out a guy who is on PCP and doesn't feel anything that you're throwing at him, you know? Um, So again, I would say, in my opinion, always have something to defend yourself. But here's the thing. I would never trust my life to that Bowie knife. Yeah. And make sure you're proficient with whatever, whatever you choose. Yeah. You Um, might end up damaging yourself more than you will them, like with a sword or, you know what I mean? Or a knife or... So let's, let's talk about, uh, we'll, we'll wrap this up. Well, let's talk about two more, uh, quick little topics. Okay. Uh, one that I would like to hit is, and Ryan doesn't know that I'm going to say this. Okay. (laughs) Is, um, from a legal standpoint. Oh. Uh, home defense. So, you know, I, I've had, I've had a, uh, a debate with a lot of people, you know, um, uh, shooting a warning round, uh, <laughs> you know, things like that. Uh, what happens if, 
you know, I, I've heard from from people that, oh, you know, if you shoot somebody in your home that you have to, you should probably kill them because then they can sue you or, you know, you can get arrested or, or things like that. Um, uh, 100% you need to have the police involved. Um, yeah. You know, you need to, uh, you need to, in California, as opposed to other states, uh, Arizona is an example. If someone's in your home uninvited in Arizona, you can shoot them. Yeah, yeah. Um, where in California, you have to have more than just somebody in your home. You have to have somebody in your home with, uh, with the threat. Uh, it has to be a reasonable, a reasonable yes. objective. So not subjective, but okay. objective. So a normal person, right? And, and the reason why I'll go into this in a little detail, but, um, you know, I don't want to do a whole legal debate here. Yeah. But a, a, an objective and reasonable threat to uh, your life or serious bodily injury to yes. someone in your family. Um, I, I think, and I need to look up the law on this, but I think like a, a dog counts. Canine. Okay. So if, you, if someone's essentially in your home attacking you, attacking your dog, something like that, um, any of your family members, as long as there is a reasonable objective um, threat of death or serious bodily injury, at that point you can use whatever force you deem necessary to overtake that person. So the reason why I say objective is if you have a guy who's, let's say, a trained um, black belt in you know Krav Maga or whatever, and this guy comes in unarmed, he throws a punch at this dude, and this dude has beat thousands of people in the ring, right? And this guy's just like massive or whatever, and this the dude who's invading the home is like five foot tall, tiny. And he throws a punch, and that guy immediately draws a weapon and just bang, 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 bang. Well, the cops are going to look at that. The court's going to look at that. The jury's going to look at that. And they're going to go, dude, this guy could have easily disarmed yes. this guy or apprehended this guy or arrested, you know, put him on the ground essentially without having to kill him. Now, someone like myself, who's a little shorter in stature, maybe not the biggest guy. A lot shorter in stature. He, he, thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, someone, you know, of my short stature, you know, and, and not a very big build. You know, if I have a guy who comes in and he's six foot five on PCP, you better bet that that in front of a jury, in front of a judge, I, I would I would 100% bet that it would be a reasonable use of force for me to then pull a gun and fire if he's charging myself or my wife. Because yes. at that point, he's way bigger than me. I know he's going to overpower me. He's going to overpower my wife. He's going to overpower you know, anyone involved in that situation. You know what I mean? And then obviously, once you bring weapons into it, that changes the entire dynamic. Yes. Um, and for all you gunslingers out there, <laughs> uh, you cannot defend property with firearms. No, you cannot. Not, um, you know, no. if somebody's breaking into your car, you cannot shoot them. No. Um, you know, you just got to take the loss, uh, you know, get the police involved, try to get as much information as possible. Yeah. Um, get a good description. But you cannot shoot somebody for stealing your property. No. Uh, it. <laughs> that's where that, that – I don't even want to get into it, but that's where that bluff uh, kind of clause comes into it, where you can hold them at gunpoint, but you can't pull the trigger. Yeah, so and the, you know, and that that, uh, and I don't even know. I don't think you can brandish in California. Not outside the home. Out, inside okay, the home. so inside the home you can. Yeah. Um, where in other states you can, you know, I, I I believe Arizona you can brandish a weapon, uh, to pretty much intimidate somebody and, ex- exactly and, you know, and get yes, them off your property. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In California, though, I know there was a a, a video, and I, again, I need to look up the laws on this because I'm actually curious about this myself. But there were some guys breaking into a van in a front yard somewhere here in Southern California. The guy was um, not a police officer; he wasn't any part of law. He was just a regular citizen. Had one of those security cameras that goes off with movement in the front yard. He goes out with his handgun, holds him at gunpoint till the cops get there. Apparently, it was justified. 
Okay. Um, at, at the same time, I don't know if that's a law. Again, I don't know. Also, too, it was on the driveway of the home, which that homeowner owns. Yes. That's not a sidewalk. That's not a street. You know, it's not common area. There's no easements on that. You know, that is his property at that point. So he's not defending the property, so to speak. He's literally just, hey, you guys can't be here. Yeah, and, and just to reiterate, I mean, this is where we live is California. So, of course, we're going to come with uh, kind of <laughs> looking through that paradigm where uh, – this isn't Texas. You can't yes, just shoot whoever it, it, you want. It's almost, um, you have to be really sure, you yeah, know, yeah, uh, absolutely. It, you know, you don't want to, uh, if, if you're not justified in using a firearm, then you're going to get in trouble for it. Well, and in, in all honesty, you're right. If, if you're, if you're even unsure about it and, and again, we, I, I need to throw this out there as a disclaimer. We are not giving legal advice. We no, are not. And we're not experts either. We are not experts there. We, none of us have had like legal training whatsoever. Um, so don't take what we say as, as anything. It's yeah. just, it's just opinion really. Yeah, it really is. Um, at the same time, you know, if in me, in my opinion, if someone was breaking into my truck outside, I probably wouldn't go out there and stop them. No, you I would just I call mean? the police. I, I would just call the police and just hang out in the house. Yeah. They come into the house and threaten my life. Sure. You can do something, but yeah. you know, if, if they're doing what they're doing again, like you said, just take the loss and file an insurance claim, call yeah. the police. <laughs> um, at that point, one of the best things that you can do is observe and get as much detail about about mm-hmm. the assailants as possible. And that that's the best advice I, I would be able to, you know, give, I guess. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's that's pretty much it. You just got to, you got to do your own research. Exactly. Um, especially in California, there's a lot of research to be done. Well, and the best thing too <laughs> is to go, and uh, that's another thing with the training, how we said go and get training. These guys um, who do all the, the home defense training, critical defense training, you know, firearms training, everything like that, they're pretty dialed on the yeah. laws. And a lot of them are retired military or sheriffs or, you know, police officers. And so they can kind of give you an idea of, hey, this is what you can and can't do. Um, I know for the Arizona laws, I've taken some classes over there and, and uh, I've learned a lot about what you can and can't do. Yes, and then the difference between between states. Yeah, and, and you need to be yeah. aware of that too. If you're staying in a hotel and you're concealed carrying in another state, you need to be 100% familiar with yeah, those just, laws. Yeah, uh, just my opinion, my advice is just be aware that uh, if you use a firearm, you're going to have to convince a jury that it was uh, it was justified. Absolutely, um, and so if you're unsure of that, then don't even do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that's pretty much it. Uh, so what do you think? Uh, got any home defense myths? Okay, so here's one that I hear all the time. In fact, actually, I heard it this week. And, and I almost bought into it because I, I really didn't know a lot about it. And then I started doing a lot of research. And so I'm actually glad that, that it came up this week. I, I hadn't even intended to you know record uh, the podcast. Um, but it was pretty cool. I had a buddy of mine say, hey, what about, you know, I don't know if I feel safe loading up my shotgun with buckshot or slugs or anything for that. Not even birdshot for that matter. You know, I don't, I don't want to be, you know, blown holes down the hallway as these guys are coming in. He goes, what about rock salt? You know, what do you think of rock salt? And so I did some extensive research on rock salt. He also brought up beanbags. He brought up the taser. He brought up a few other alternatives. And so one of the biggest myths um, that I've seen on multiple, multiple um, uh, websites, YouTube, uh, all these gun enthusiasts, uh, firearms trainers, that rock salt really doesn't do a whole lot other than just piss the person off that you're shooting. Um, and like we said earlier, um, a lot of these guys that are committing crimes, I, I forget what it is. I know I looked up the stats and I can maybe, you know, add it in here or something like that. But the stats are, you know, crazy about the amount of guys that are committing crimes on or under the influence of alcohol, drugs, something like that. So they're going in and they're totally like, you know, blazed out of their mind on, um, you know, uh, PCP, meth, something like that. And, um, you know, hitting them with rock salt 
a guy with PCP probably would just piss him yeah. off and, and make him. <laughs> I personally I mean I feel the same about a 380 or a 22. Yeah, exactly. Um, I would not uh, personally use a anything below a nine millimeter as far as uh, size I would agree is concerned. With that. Yeah, um, and I, you hear a lot of people say, you know, about how lethal a twenty two is, which is true. Uh, but the saying that I hear uh, that that I've heard that I thought was pretty funny is a, a twenty two will kill anybody tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, because it, it usually takes that long. Um, I I have heard. Uh, I I think the 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 two best rounds for as far as stopping power go uh you know like one shot stopping power is uh a 45 Mm -hmm. uh 45 acp and uh 357 magnum i would believe that um i've heard that 44 magnum um is a little uh has a little too much penetration so it'll pop right it'll pop right through and it it doesn't have the uh the stopping power that right um, but i'm sure if you have uh home defense loads in there that right you yeah. know if those things open up yeah. uh 44 opens up inside it, it's gonna yeah it's gonna do a lot of damage you can argue about stopping power all day long and, yeah. I, and I think you're right though i would agree with you on those those rounds um as well and, and but at the same time you know i i think at, at the end of the day that's an argument that just goes on and on and on and yeah i don't want to say that i'm a 45 fanboy or a nine millimeter fanboy or yeah. anything like that because in all honesty I, I own multiple different calibers and i yeah. love shooting all different different calibers but um, at the end of the day, I mean, that's why you use home defense loads. That's what they're created for. Yeah, you know, uh, I agree. So um, another big one, uh, home defense myth is uh, uh, bean bags. Uh, I think in the same thing, it's the same as a as a rock yeah. salt round. It, it it might put um, a, a sane person on the ground who's like, dude, this sucks. I don't want to get hit with that thing again. Um, at the same time though, too, I don't know at what range it's effective. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if it's only effective within a short range or if you can shoot all the way down a hallway with it and be fine. I, I really don't know. So in my opinion, if my life is on the line, um, I want to trust absolutely nothing except for home defense rounds or, or something that definitely has been proven to have an effective result. All right. So, um, I like that. Um, in closing, let's, uh, Talk about the cigar a little bit. I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty much ready to put mine down. Yeah, me too. Um, Which is I've a first, right? Enjoyed this whole thing pretty much, uh, from beginning to end. I have I ashed it um, not too long ago, but I had uh, about a good inch and a quarter. I don't think you even needed to ash it either. Yeah, I, I kind of uh, uh, forced it. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it, it didn't fall off on its own. Definitely. Um, and it did take a little work to get the ash off. Mine fell off. The ash on mine fell off probably at, a, at an inch. Um, but uh, I don't know that mine was wrapped as well as yours was. So, um, Also, too, I burn them a little hotter. So I wonder if that has anything to do with it as well. Yeah, it, it, it's... Uh, Even down to the end, though, it's really not that hot. Yeah, it, it really su- isn't. That's what I'm surprised about, too. And I was gonna, actually going to mention that. Um, not hot. It's not like real mushy or anything like yeah. that. Um, well, I'm not a slobbery cigar smoker. Yeah, I'm definitely either. not either. Um, I keep I keep mine pretty uh, pretty nice. I've seen people that you know chew on the ends of it, and the ends get all frayed. Um, that's never kind of been my style. Um, but yeah, overall, good cigar for me, um, especially since the Connecticut, you know, no head change, definitely not uh, overpowering at all. Right. right. Um, yeah. And we worked out today. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what I mean? I would expect to have at least gotten something out of it, which is nice that I'm not having to pause. You know what I mean? Yeah. And as far as, uh, the makers goes, 
It's classic Makers 46 for me. Dude, my glass has been empty for a little <laughs> while now, so I might have to get a refill. I think we are going to have to get a refill, wrap this up. Um, but yeah, the, the Makers just goes down smooth. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it's a very smooth uh, bourbon, and I think pairs well with a uh, a very mild cigar. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not something that you're going to smoke with a, like a Gurkha or something full-bodied, you know? <laughs> Some of those ones I got <laughs> yeah. in the humidor, I'm like scared to even yeah, light those up. you know, it, it's, uh, uh, you know, you definitely need like a, a smokier scotch or something for one of those. Exactly, you know? yeah. Um, uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm pretty simple when it comes to this stuff. Uh, just, uh, I like it smooth and, uh, you know, not too crazy. I like to keep it, uh, uh, keep it mild. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, that wraps it up. Yeah. Um, for those of you who have uh, listened all the way to the end, thank you for sticking <laughs> it out with us. Uh, we'll see how this recording quality turns out. And I promise you we'll get better at this. We will get better at this. Absolutely. Practice makes perfect. And hopefully next time we'll have either a hunting story or a barbecue uh, recipe to go through. Or Yeah. And, and just to reiterate, we're going to have different topics. Today's topic was just home defense. So that's why we talked about that. And introduction. Yeah. And we're going to have, um, we're gonna have uh, people. So we'll have definitely have uh, days where we talk about hunting. Um, days where we talk about uh, just about hunting firearms, uh, days where we talk about, you know, other things. We didn't have any barbecue today. So, yeah, emergency uh, prep. Even yeah. we have a, we have some contacts that are that are experts in the yes. field of, you know, um, uh, emergency preparation, yes. first aid, fire safety, we things like that. We do know like a lot that. of police officers that um, we can go more in-depth in laws and things exactly. like that. Exactly, yeah. So, um, you know, this is just the trial run. So, again, thank you guys for listening. All right, and we are signing off. Have a good night.